not sure if you ever given any thought to your legacy. This morning's message is Lasting Legacy. And so when people depart from this earth, they often leave something behind. Some people might leave a collection of something. Some people might leave uh, a collection of autographs or sports memorabilia. Some people might leave a house. Just last night I was uh, watching a movie. As I often do late at night, I found a, a movie from 1984, Robert Redford and Glenn Close in The Natural, where he's a baseball player. And uh, they were they were teenage or high school sweethearts, and their lives took different paths. And that may sound familiar to some of you. Some of you dated years ago, and then you met up with them years later. And in their situation, they were both single when they met up some years later. And so one of the things he asked her is he meets her in this diner, and they've ordered a couple of lemonades. It's set in Chicago in 1939. At least that's where this scene was taking place. And he said to her, did you ever sell the farm? And she said immediately, oh no, I will always have that. And of course, I'm sure she's thinking that, you know, that's something that she is going to pass on to her son someday. And so, uh, some of you may know what it's like to inherit real estate or to inherit a farm. And so, people have something often that they leave behind for someone else. But I want us to spend some time this morning looking at what Scripture tells us is the most important legacy that we can leave behind, looking at Psalm 78 beginning with verse 4. We will not hide them from their descendants. We will tell the next generation the praiseworthy deeds of the Lord. His power and the wonders he has done. He decreed statutes for Jacob and established the law in Israel, which he commanded our ancestors to teach their children. So the next generation would know them, even the children yet to be born. And they in turn would tell their children. Then they would put their trust in God and would not forget his deeds, but would keep his commands. They would not be like their ancestors, a stubborn and rebellious generation whose hearts were not loyal to God, whose spirits were not faithful to him. And so the psalmist here is painting this picture of, you know, there is something that you can leave behind. You can tell the next generation and the generation after that that you can tell them about the good things that the Lord has done, the way God has blessed your life. And I think about the legacy that my own mother left me as we gather on this Mother's Day. And I appreciate Jesse sharing with us that he was thinking uh, about songs that he might have heard his own mother singing around the house from those days when he was much smaller. And so 
I think about my own mom and the legacy that she left. I think about, and some of you have heard these stories before, I think about my earliest memories of life. My dad serving in the U.S. military and we were living in Northern California. It was probably around 1971, 1972, somewhere in there. And I distinctly remember sitting with mom and watching my brother baptize. There he was up in that baptistry on a Sunday morning. And I remember hollering out, as children do sometimes, Hey, there's Jeff! And of course, what's mom doing? She's pulling me in tight and she's reaching that hand to cover my mouth, right? And uh, of course, it's one of those things. It's funny to everybody else, but it's, it's not quite as funny when it's your kid, for whatever reason. But... I remember that Jeff would have been probably 11, 12 years old if my math is somewhere close to being right. And there he was giving his life to Christ. Now serving as a deacon in the church over in Winchester and uh, where he and his family worship. And so uh, there is that example of that legacy that was passed on. Some of you have heard me tell the story at least once before. It's my 11th Mother's Day with you all, so sometimes you'll hear the stories again, right? But yeah, I remember, I remember my mom preparing for the Sunday school class. And so what would she do? She would bring me in on Saturday night or sometimes on early, early on Sunday morning. And if any of you remember flannel boards from back in the day. And so mom always did flannel board with her Sunday school class. And so she would use her bed as the flannel board. And she would go through the lesson and then I was her student. You know, she would do a trial run with little Greg. And so there I was, sitting on her bed, listening to those great stories of, you know, Daniel in the lion's den, and, and uh, David and Goliath, and all those wonderful, wonderful stories uh, from Holy Scripture, from our Bibles. I remember when Dad was driving a church bus, and some of you uh, may remember when when churches didn't have vans, but they had buses. They bought used school buses, and sometimes a church uh, would have owned three, four, five full-size school buses, like back in the 1970s and 80s. Some of you may have ridden one of those church buses to church once upon a time when you were young. And my dad would take his turn driving a bus for a month at a time. And mom would always make treats for all the kids. And I remember her taking these big metal sheets and making, I guess they were like a homemade version of a snow cone. And they were in these little bitty styrofoam cups. And I remember her putting those sheets with all those little cups in the freezer. And then the next morning, you know, Sunday morning, she gets them out. And uh, then she'd have to get them to the church and get them in the freezer there. So they stay intact and they don't melt. And then bringing them back out of the church freezer and getting them on the bus. And 
she knew, don't give them to the kids as they get on the bus, right? You give them to them as they get off the bus. And that way you're not cleaning up ice and slushy off all the seats on the bus after, the, after you've run the route. But there was that dedication, modeling service. And so when... I think about going to church. It wasn't just a place we went. It wasn't just a place where we showed up. It was a place where we were part of something bigger than us. We were a small part of a place, of a family. And it didn't matter where dad went, no matter when he got his transfer orders, and whether it was Northern California, Hawaii, North Carolina, there was a life of service. They didn't wait six months, a year, two years. Back in those days, man, the military moved people around so often, you wait 18 months to get involved in a church, you, you might get your next set of transfer orders and be gone. So they didn't waste any time. They showed up, they introduced themselves, and they said, how can we help? And so they modeled that life of Christian service. Forgive my nostalgic heart. But it's not just my mom. It's some of yours and it's some of your grandmothers who did the very same thing. And that's why you're here today. Because they passed on a legacy. And shame on us, right? If we ever fail to pass on that lasting legacy to those that come after us. That it's not just a place you go for an hour one morning a week. That it's something that you're a part of, something way bigger than you. Doing your part to serve God's kingdom. I'll never forget, before we move on to that oh, couple of wonderful passages in Second Timothy, I will never uh, forget uh, when my wife's grandmother, Ruth Edwards, was in the hospital. And one of her nurses was a lady named Marty. And Marty McBride happened to be the mother of Barrett's best friend. Now Barrett had moved down here to Tennessee. And so he and Simon, I think, text messaged each other back and forth and sort of kept up with each other. But I remember Marty figuring out that this lady that was on her floor in her section that she was helping to take care of in the hospital was the grandmother, great-grandmother, excuse me, of her son's best friend who had moved to Tennessee. And on her day off, Marty brought Simon and at least a couple of his siblings, if I remember it correctly, to the hospital to visit Ruth. And I'll never forget that photograph. That photo she snapped of her children by Ruth's bedside. And the smile on Stacy's grandmother's face. 
what was Marty doing? She was showing her kids. This is what Christian love looks like. You go in on your day off. And you take the time to visit somebody. Some of you are absolutely wonderful at looking after other people. What I encourage you to do is make sure your children and your grandchildren get to witness you doing that. Not because you want to exalt or elevate yourself. Not at all. But because you are doing what you can to instill a holy and lasting legacy to those people within your sphere of influence. That when you, when you make a meal for someone who's sick and you go and whether you're able to go in the home or sometimes they're so sick you don't want to go in the home. I know what it's like to have people leave stuff on, you know, at the back stoop and then send us a message to say, hey, there's something waiting for you outside. And what a blessing that is. But when you do that, let those people that you have influence over see you doing that. Maybe it's a meal. Maybe you've got a neighbor who's got a car uh, that needs, needs some repair work done. And you take the time and you go do that. Take someone in that household with you. Get them out in front of the TV, away from their iPad or whatever it is, and let them see you doing that. Let them learn from you of all the things you can leave behind in this world. What's more valuable than leaving money and land and houses and collections is that you leave a legacy of faith. Not simply a system of beliefs, but the kind of faith that you put into action in showing love through service. And so, I look over in 2 Timothy, and I want to read chapter 1, and this is going to conclude with what Hayden read earlier this morning. Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God. I'm in 2 Timothy 1 beginning with verse 1. In keeping with the promise of life that is in Christ Jesus. To Timothy, my dear son, grace, mercy, and peace from God the Father and Christ Jesus our Lord. I thank God whom I serve as my ancestors did with a clear conscience. As night and day I constantly remember you in my prayers. Recalling your tears, I long to see you so that I may be filled with joy. I am reminded of your sincere faith which first lived in your grandmother Lois and in your mother Eunice. And I am persuaded now lives in you also. So Paul, at the end of not only his ministry, but at the end of his life, he's writing this letter to his young protege, Timothy. And he's saying, brother, I'm thinking about you every single day. 
and I remember you in my prayers. I have almost daily contact with a preacher, Ashok Budala. Some of you have heard me mention that name before in India. And I tell him, brother, you're doing great work. Keep it up. I remember you and your ministry in my prayers daily. And so Paul saying to Timothy, brother, I remember you daily in my prayers. And I think about the faith that you now have. But what else does he say, church? He says, I'm also remembering the mother and grandmother that passed on that faith to you. Is Timothy a preacher of the gospel without Lois and Eunice passing on that faith? I highly doubt it. But he is because they did. And so he goes on to write, For this reason I remind you to fan into flame the gift of God which is in you through the laying on of my hands. For the Spirit God gives us does not make us timid, but gives us power, love, and self-discipline. So do not be ashamed of the testimony about our Lord or of me, his prisoner. Rather, join me with me in suffering for the gospel. By the power of God, he has saved us and called us to a holy life. Not because of anything we have done, but because of his own purpose and grace. This grace was given to us in Christ Jesus before the beginning of time. But it has now been revealed through the appearing of our Savior, Christ Jesus, who has destroyed death and has brought life and immortality to life, to light, through the gospel. And so right there he brings out that point. Remember, Timothy, this is the faith that's been passed on to you. This is what we're in it for. We're in it not just for our own good, but we're in it because of this grace given us in Jesus Christ, who's been around since before the beginning of time as we know it, and who destroyed death and brought life and immortality to light through the gospel. And that's the hope that we have right now, isn't it, church? Immortality. That he destroyed death. And when we talk about passing on a legacy, that's the legacy we pass on. Is that, hey, this world, which can be joyous at times, which can be filled with laughter, which can be filled with moments of celebration, but yet this world that can also bring us pain and disappointment and suffering and grief that this world is not our ultimately ho- ultimate home is it church that there is something better waiting for us and that is the legacy that we strive to pass on to the generations that come after us Praise God for that hope. In closing today, I want to look at 2 Timothy 3, if you'll flip the page, verses 14 and 15. 
Paul writes to Timothy, But as for you, continue in what you have learned and have become convinced of, because you know those from whom you learned it. There again, referring back to his mother and grandmother. He's saying, They taught you well. So remember those folks that you learned it from. And, uh, and how from infancy you have known the Holy Scriptures, which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. Church family, if there is anything that we should make it our aim to pass on, it should be faith in God through Jesus Christ. That that should be the legacy we strive to to leave behind more so than anything else that might be of value. That we pass on the knowledge of eternal life that only comes through Jesus, through the blood of the perfect and precious Lamb. And so if you're here this morning and you have not yet been compelled to put on Christ in baptism, then we offer the invitation so that at this time, once and for all, you can come down the aisle. We will be here to receive you and we will take your confession. What does that confession consist of? One simple question. Do you believe with all your heart that Jesus Christ is the Son of God? And upon saying yes, the watery grave of baptism is available when you come out of that water, a new creation, changing the trajectory of your life for all eternity. And if you're with us this morning, and you're just sitting here today, and there is something that's just weighing on you, then we offer the invitation for you as well so that when you walk this aisle, we will receive you in the same manner and that we will listen to whatever it is that you would like us to pray about. Let's stand and let's sing.